So hello, everyone. This is Otessa, and you are listening to Conversations with Hysterical Women. That's Women with an X, the Hysterical Women podcast, where you are all welcome here, friends, allies, everywhere across the rainbow, across the binary. I'm just really glad to have you be here. And this is meant to be a safe space to explore all of the weird things that life throws at us and all of the different ways in which we can be twisted and torn asunder, but also all the different ways that we can come back together. So thank you for listening, and I'm glad that you're here and going to be cheesy, but comment, like, subscribe. What's so crazy about Black Panther is, besides the fact that like, it's a beautiful movie, and honestly, I'm delighted that people get to grow up with that because that's amazing. What made it more, I think, impactful for me is that like there were Black people behind the scenes and writing for this movie. Mm-hmm. I would like to know that there is a job for me out there as a writer <laughs> being Black. Yeah. And so many people kind of like lose this idea that, like, you can tell a story that's not yours. This is true. You can do that. But it makes more impact when a person who's telling a story also experienced that story. A good example, I think, would be Spike Lee's um, She's Gotta Have It. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The original watched... movie or the Netflix? The Netflix okay. one. So there's I a haven't of... watched that one yet. Me neither. And I'm talking about it without yeah. watching it. <laughs> So the narrative between the characters is of, like, the young generation. And it sounds like someone who has no idea what young people talk sound like wrote it. And I've listened to bits of it, and yeah. I'm like... who's in the writer's room? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just pulled it from Black Twitter and put it together without knowing what it means. Oh, God. And that's kind of scary, because I'm like, you know, you could have actually got someone who was, you know, of the young generation on your team to help you navigate what that narrative sounds like, but you didn't. You chose not to. That's another thing that sort of bothers me um, about fandoms and the desire for representation and intersectionality, but, like, it ends up being done really disingenuously. Um having conversations I've still been trying to put together like a good writers group because that was something that I had in New York where I haven't lived in forever and I'm like looking for a good writers group and something that I came across that made me feel kind of uncomfortable was someone a white white woman um wanted to she was concerned about the lack of diversity in fantasy in particular Oh my goodness, don't even get me, because that's the genre that I'm currently writing the most in. Don't even get me started on that. Like, I, yeah. will, I will talk droves about Okay, I'm... good. Please do. <laughs> I'm just going to, like, finish this up, and then I'm going to pass it back to you. And and yes. And I was like, yeah, that's a real problem. And she was like, so that's what I'm doing. I'm writing this whole thing. And then I was like, kind of noticing it. I was like, do you... I'm like your least white friend. Oh my God. I was like... <laughs> and, and sometimes... Yeah, and, and then... And then I would be like her go-to for like all things not. And I was like, you cannot speak like, for every person of color. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, first of all, like I'm not enough of anything. Also, if you do want to do this, maybe start by getting to know people. How are you going to write? And and like I get that your heart is in the right place, but like if you aren't making authentic, organic friendships with people, how the hell are you going to represent them? I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying it's problematic. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. There's a whole side of Twitter um, where people put like little blurbs of men writing female characters. 
And that and she bounced down the steps boobly. <laughs> that one. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god. Yes, George R. R. Martin and his like. I don't know. Maybe I, I. I am in a Facebook chat group where you make fun of this and like George R. R. Martin always being like she was walking down the stairs aware of her breasts and I'm like I'm literally never aware of my breasts unless they're hurting me. Exactly. (laughs) But George R. R. Martin is on boob watch all the time. And what's so crazy is he's a well-renowned author at this point. Game of Thrones is a really big franchise. But I'm like, you don't know how women actually feel about things and how they actually experience their bodies on a regular basis. Uh, yeah. And a lot of authors that are (laughs) male-aligned are like that, and it's annoying. And then when it comes to representation in fantasy... Oh my goodness, I feel like I need water. <laughs> Here, I can get you. Do you want some more kombucha? Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, because I'm like, this is this gets real. So fantasy is one of those ones where people are like, so how do you feel about fantasy? And I'm like, I wish there were more out there for me. Kombucha fans over here, everyone. <laughs> okay, so fantasy representation. Because, yeah, it is, it is a problem. I don't even know where I would begin. I think well, it's, I'll just start with my experience with my web series. So Anna is like one of the Midnight Designs. She's the artist for my web series. And she is a wonderful artist. I love her work. But I had such a funny interaction with her when she was drawing the prince from her story. And he was just white. And I was just like, I know it's like assumed that, you know, characters are white. But like, you know, there's also the possibility that all my characters are people of color or black yeah that's that's okay or they could be gender fluid or they right. could be i do have a gender fluid character that's coming up but i don't want to yeah. spoil my own work but um you didn't hear that yeah no that that's to take that out <laughs> but um when i told her that she was like she had a sigh of relief actually she's like oh thank god and i was just like yes you can my characters are all people of color yeah that's fine and it's because she's so used to working in a space that all fantasy characters aren't of our complexion there's no hues no melanin at all and that's scary because i do believe that like if it's a fantasy world you're creating an entire place yeah and you're limited to only one shade for people yeah why is that and then royalty does not have to be white aligned we yeah. have royalty in other countries and many. Yeah, yeah. Many. <laughs> there's so many, and there's like there's so many aspects of our heritage as people of color that could really shine mm-hmm. in fantasy that people just kind of forget about, and they demean us to lower tier characters, and that's annoying. And whenever I'm interacting in fantasy spaces, um, specifically, it's because I talk to too many uh, white nerds, white male nerds. That I'm just like, I'm, I'm tired of it all. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you can have people of color in a fantasy story. I don't know why that's such a hard concept. To it's you. fantasy. Right. And they're, like, <laughs> and they're like, our version of fantasy is to pretend that we're only seeing 30% of the population. Yeah. And I'm like, you're doing it wrong. And I'm like, if it's a fantasy, that's a world that you envisioned. So should I be questioning why your world looks like that? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, you should. It's just, um, who's another author that I really liked? Uh, Neil Gaiman. I think I'm reading one of his works now. Um, He's awesome. Yeah. He is awesome. I like his work so far. And I really liked how American Gods was represented in, because I've only seen the TV show. Mm-hmm. I'm reading the book where yeah. it's really chunky and I don't know how long it's going to take me. <laughs> But seeing so many various gods from other places mm-hmm. delighted me. Yeah. So I'm like, when people think about mythology, 
they're very limited to Greek and Roman mythology. Yeah. And as a lore nerd, I love reading any form of mythology from any place. Mm-hmm. There was a time where I did Japanese mythology. I did mythology from various places in Africa, South America. I loved learning about yeah. all of it. But then people are like, oh, well, when you think about Greek gods, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you know, there there were other places that had other types of gods. Yes, there were many pantheons. Yeah. <laughs> there were many. And we limit ourselves to only representing Greek and Roman most of yeah. the time in fantasy. And I question why. Because if you're creating a world, you really don't have to just limit yourself to that. You can create any sort of deity that you want. Mm-hmm. And that's the best part. Fantasy is like you're world building. You're creating an entire place. You're like... Uh, a badass dungeon master like yeah you're doing everything yeah and if you're so limited to not represent people like people that you see around you and what are serving you coffee or driving by you if you're not representing them even those like tiny pieces of them what type of mind are you living in like Mm -hmm. what is your mind palace looking like that you want your fantasy world to be so monotone yeah or i think about this also i'm like okay so I can be an Argonian, right? I can be a reptile creature. Right. New favorite on Skyrim. I go back <laughs> to that a lot and discovered that being an Argonian is actually great, right? So if, and then if you look at D&D, um, and cu- I will give kudos to Stranger Things because all of us who like D&D were ridiculed and went into hiding until Stranger Things, this is my personal theory. Until Stranger <laughs> Things came out and made it cool again, and like <laughs> and like brought back this '80s nostalgia, like but a very particular form. And all of a sudden, people are like, "Oh yeah, that looks kind of fun." And then you'd be like, "Oh well, I actually do that. Do you, are you interested?" <laughs> and then and all of a sudden, like I found all because I was in I was in a group. It was really hard to put together, and then Stranger Things came out, and all of a sudden, I was I, everyone came out of the closet as being like a D and D fan, you know. And now there's like Numenera and Tales from the Loop, but I'm like, I can be Hellspawn, I can be a bird person, I can be in Skyrim, I can be a Khajiit or an Argonian, right? And so we have all of that, but we can't properly represent the humanoid species. That's so crazy too. Like even in games. When it comes to humanoid species, why are hairstyles also limited? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously my hair doesn't look like this in real life, but I should be able Your to have a character. Your hair can look like whatever you want. Exactly. And I want my characters to have a little bit of, like, kink in their curl. Like, yeah. that would be really nice. And it's really odd that for the longest time, the only, like, um, like black hairstyle that would be in games would be dreadlocks. And that's just about it. Does Skyrim only have dreads? I'm trying to think. I feel like, yeah, they don't really have as much. They they need to work on that. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> they need to have more How do you have... Li- okay, Skyrim, I love you, but this is a good point. They don't have hairstyles that represent the different types of... Like, honestly, the way I think about it... So, growing up, you know about different textures of hair. Like, yeah. 4C, 3C. Um, I want to see that in games. I want to have that many options when I'm creating my character, but I usually don't. So I end up going for maybe like a faux hawk for my character or no hair at all because that's just how I roll. (laughs) Yeah. Skyrim, where's the Greystones? Right. Like, right? Like, (laughs) that that would be very aspirational. I think, um, actually, Bethesda did really well with the newer Fallout. They had more options for hair that, uh, 
we're closer to what I was looking for, but it's still not enough. Yeah. So I would like to have that customization for like hair yeah. texture. But that's not something that people think about that, you know, I want to see a character that has like an afro and that yeah. should be okay. But that's too political. So um, I think that this is something that's really this is why I keep going back to tabletop gaming, because people who are DMs have such creative minds. And I think that we can benefit from that. All of those people belong, like, any writer's room that's suffering, get a dungeon master. (laughs) And your problems will probably go away. Just roll and see what happens. (laughs) Um, Because, no, truly, truly, like, the, the creativity, the ability to work on the fly. And so I'm a huge tabletop gaming fanatic. Um, and I think that there's a lot to be said for that. And I think the the way that it's dismissed as being niche or weird or whatever, I'm glad that that's, some of that is being rolled back. But I don't think it gets the credit where credit is due of being as creative as it is. It's definitely not. There... So world building in itself is time consuming. Yeah. For my campaign, I'm I created the world. I'm not using the book. I might use it as like a little bit of structure referencing, but I'm still creating this entire world and this entire story and my siblings are playing it. And God bless that my siblings are very creative because it's like that's also very helpful because yeah. I can also feed off of that as well when I'm creating or adding things to their story. And that's a lot of work. And any dungeon master knows how time consuming it is to lay out these rules, these structures, everything. When you're creating something that massive, that takes a lot of like brain juice that people yeah. don't realize. Yeah. And there are people who are that creative and that powerful when it comes to creating worlds that are just doing that as a hobby. And you could really use them in creating films and everything, really. But yeah. where are they? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's a pro tip. Please, if you're looking for someone creative to direct anything or create a new movie, look for a local dungeon master. They're probably really creative and they will actually follow the rules of their universe. That's also very important. And I'm throwing shade to Avengers uh, Endgame because they didn't even follow the rules of their own universe. Yeah. Um, dungeon masters, anyone who's creating or role building like that, they are a creative force to be reckoned with. And they're also probably very hireable, mm-hmm. so please do so. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really real. Um, so another thing that I want to talk about was, so DC Kawaii Style is a community, it's a zine, and then you also have your own community and all of your own projects, your web series, your poetry. Have you felt that, is there any sort of pushback about like this is Japanese or is it welcoming 